0: You know, even if we ate a perfect diet right now, it doesn't mean that you're going to get all your nutrients because we, you know, even if you are really careful to buy all organic everything and try to vary your diet, we just have a less diverse diet than we ever did. Good.
1: Welcome to the HGW podcast, where your hosts Zoe Sekutis and Erica Huss, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped,
2: scaled and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind the scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness.
1: Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually use.
2: No shaming, no guilt, just the cold pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally.
1: And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey.
2: Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend.
1: Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well.
2: What you got there, Zoe? I
1: was just looking at my dog. <laughs> my <laughs> dog my dog just came back from camp and it seems that hes like, he came back with a little present. Looks like he's got pink eye in both eyes. I mean, doesn't
2: everybody get pink eye at camp? Why should dogs be any different? Uh, apparently,
1: I didn't know that they got pink eye, but he looks effed up. All right,
2: well, good to know. Steer oh, clear of Irving. Yet another trip to the vet. <laughs>
1: For old Irving Mary <Murray> Moskowitz. <laughs> that is... That
2: he's is, like, is, just put it on my tab. That is his
1: full name. My dog is Jewish and Erica's cats are Russian.
2: That's true. Yeah. They all make a nice Eastern European uh, family of pets. So we had a nice chat with Dr. Palma, who was very again. nice to see again. We love her. We love her because she's a hot doctor. Hot doctor. Um, <laughs> and she's also quite a knowledgeable doctor. Yes. And I love that she is super prepared and knows exactly where we're going to go and really just like breaks it down. This conversation... All on the topic of supplements was mm-hmm. super fascinating, tactical. This is one of those like get out your pen and paper or your note-taking device, whatever it is that you Yeah, do.
1: we're not our usual funny and charming selves here to entertain you. It really was. I mean, of course we're funny. I mean, and charming. Of course I we might <laughs> <I don't
2: laughs> oh, know kidding. where you're going with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it really was like we really wanted to just get some good information across with this one that you guys could really take away because there is so much confusion around supplements and there is
2: there's, there's a so lot much, there's bullshit there, out shit, there yeah. a lot of myth
1: busting so at the very least we we talk about you know the top like four or five that the vast majority of the population is deficient in and in needs right. instead of going into all these weird pockets of right. like these super like
2: niche uh,
1: yeah niche supplements that you know really is only going to speak to like two people
2: well and also I think that it was interesting the way that she kind of explained at the very beginning why you know we actually there is a case to be made and it's not just all about you know what you can get from food which there's a lot of debate on that topic as well but I'm satisfied with her explanation as to why there are a handful of things that you really should just take in supplement form
1: Yes, yeah Um, so thanks Dr. Palma for being um, Thank you you for being a friend
2: We'll see her next time, and hopefully, uh, you guys will enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Welcome, right. back, Welcome back, thank you, Welcome Back by popular demand.
0: Oh yeah, was I
1: demanded? Our, yeah, our phone lines were ringing off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, the 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 board was really just lit up. You know, yeah, the switchboard, um, switchboard yeah. <laughs> callers.
2: No, <laughs> People we calling we, in. we actually did get a lot of great feedback on the episode we did with you on how to drink awesome. like a responsible wellness person. So awesome! Um, thank you for that.
0: And anybody <laughs> a lot of who drunk feedback, totally. People Absolutely. calling like you guys yeah. are awesome. Uh,
2: People are like, it works <laughs> if you only drink tequila all the time. It totally works. <laughs> I feel amazing. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, um, but we brought you back today. Because to talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts, and I think a lot of people in the wellness community, um, and even not the wellness community these days, is supplements. The more the merrier. Abound. They are just everywhere. Yeah. Anybody
0: who's ever been in my kitchen has seen the the... It's basically like a supplement shop. Yeah. yeah. I was going
2: to say, yeah. I think a good visual to accompany yeah. this episode, we'll put it on social, is like, we all need to take a photo of like what's in our medicine cabinets. Because oh, I feel endless. like- well, Oh
1: no, my medicine cabinet is, it's like, it's a whole pantry dedicated yeah. supplements in my kitchen. Yeah. It's like literally, a, it's like a
2: little store.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, as
2: is mine. It's, and it sounds like there's yeah, a like, too. Yeah, like I
0: could live in the Jetsons and just take like pills instead of food.
2: Soylent, basically. Be like,
0: ooh, an apple pie pill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tastes like blueberry pie. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of, there's obviously a huge market out there and there's tons of good stuff and there's a lot more bad stuff than good stuff. So we yeah. we're hoping to kind of do a little myth busting with you and figure yeah. out. It obviously can't be prescriptive because it's very subject to people's individual needs. Yeah,
0: that's a very good point. But I'm here to bust myths and dance moves. And
1: (laughs) do it. (laughs) it. And then also just to, because there are so many and you can very easily get overwhelmed with, you know, how many there are and which form of that supplement you need to take. Exactly. That it would be really nice to have just like a moment where we can focus on the top, you know, yeah. If we have to just like overgeneralize and say like, these exactly. are probably best for the majority of people or the Yeah, the kind of so,
0: so the difficulty with this topic is just like you said, that this is, you know, if, if you're practicing really individualized medicine, there's no like one prescription for everybody. But I did come up with a list of things that most people in modern society need. Right. The difficulty with like podcasts and internet, and especially from people who aren't physicians is, not to say there's anything wrong with that. There, are, you know, really brilliant scientists and amateur scientists out there, like giving advice to a lot of people. Um, but the problem is that if you haven't spent years and years and years seeing many people every day, you just don't have a good concept of how different everybody is mm-hmm. and how differently everybody's body works. Right. And so it's easy to kind of say this supplement helped me; it's going to help everybody. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful. The advice you get out there on the internet, even from good people, even from really smart people, yeah. Um, but there are a few things that pretty much everybody living in our environment will benefit from. And these things are environment driven because I, I, you know, I, I love evolutionary biology and I studied it in college. So I'm always thinking about the difference between our adaptive environment and the environment we live in now. Mm-hmm. There's this concept called the environment of evolutionary adaptedness, the EEA, which means that people usually do best in the environment that mimics the environment when that species did most of its evolving. Hmm. So, you know, we did uh, a kind of lot of evolving in a short period of time, a really fast evolution, while there were certain conditions in sort of like Paleolithic period, and then kind of slower evolution since then. So, So those are... Uh, those are the best conditions for us. And they, they vary a lot from our modern environment, ideally. And if we were living in that, that kind of lifestyle, we wouldn't have to do any supplements.
1: So what was like, so just an example, and I know it was a, a long period of time, but like what made those conditions so good that people were evolving so quickly?
0: Yeah. People were, first of all, the soil quality was different than it is now. Um, it wasn't over farmed. Uh, there was more diversity in soil quality and Therefore, there was just more nutrient density, right? So if there's more nutrients in the soil, like magnesium, more nutrients grow grow into the plants. Mm. The animals eat more nutrients, and we eat the animals and plants. And so you just have more nutrient-dense food. The way we ate was different. The way we moved was different. We ate more diversity of plant species than we do now. We had less exposure to environmental toxins, um, because of modern farming, because of uh, how prevalent heavy metals are in the environment, because of how prevalent uh, biotoxins and, uh, from mold and different pathogens are in the environment. We didn't use medicines. We didn't use antibiotics. We didn't wipe out our microbiome mm-hmm. with, with several other drugs like proton pump inhibitors and birth control and steroids, we didn't eat antibiotics, right We're not just you can never use antibiotics in your life, but you're still probably eating a lot of them from from animals that are given antibiotics or
2: plants and fruits and vegetables and things yeah. like that right
0: Yeah, and they can end up all over the the environment because the animals are- pro- urinating them out right um, We had less chronic stress we had we slept more. Uh, and our sleep quality was better because of the light situation, the light-dark situation. We spent more time in nature and outside. We lived in these tight-knit social groups, which actually like had a big influence on our sure. neurobiology. And we moved differently. We didn't sit as much. Right. Yeah.
1: Wow, so this we've really, really come a long way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've made
0: such a
2: retroactive progress. It's fascinating. Yeah. I think this is all... This is all really interesting to hear obviously in the context of just the general context of evolution but I think this plays very well into this whole conversation that's been this debate for however long certainly very acute in the last 10 years for us about just the concept of toxins and cleansing and how there's this camp of you know physicians and the kind of traditional medical community that says the body is designed to cleanse itself full stop period you don't need to do any of these things your organs can take care of it and then like just hearing what you've said is just such complete, I mean, that's a yeah. proof to me it's that It's designed says, to cleanse itself, but it doesn't always, yeah. Well, and we're not giving it the conditions that it needs to. Exactly. So anyone who says like, you don't need anything in supplement to what you're already doing, if you eat clean and exercise and sleep well, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just our not exposures sense.
0: were completely different. And like, I, I will admit that like the, the wellness community has probably like beaten the word detox to death. And, and yeah, the integrity of the term has been bastardized a little bit um and it's still used to sell products and juices and hey hey juice guys <laughs> hey, you're welcome i'm
1: pretty sure this podcast is called highway to Wow <laughs> um,
0: yeah and it's still used to sell things that like may or may not help you detox um but detox is a real thing and we can give you uh like patterns and elimination diets and supplements to help you detox you know the liver um, is like a swimming pool and there can be leaves on the top of the swimming pool but there's still, if you don't clean it for a long time, there's that deep gunk on the yeah. bottom of the oh, such a, swimming pool. Such a
2: colorful analogy. Yeah, yeah I so just you have did to that this weekend. Deep gunk. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's and like, if you keep putting stuff on top while you're cleaning out the deep gunk, you're going to You're not seeing anything. Exactly. So um, on that
1: note, and wait, just before we dive into the next piece, I just, uh, following that line of thinking, it's confusing because it's... Um, You know, in the same way that we say like, okay, well, our bodies are designed to detox, but um, in our current environment, it's a little bit tricky. And sort of, you know, if you say, well, if you're eating all the right fruits and vegetables and foods, then you're getting all the vitamins and nutrients that you need. You don't need supplements. So my question there is, um, this is where I get a little bit tripped up, is like, well, no, obviously we're not absorbing you know, those, even if you are eating the best diets, all organic and fruit and all the rest, um, maybe your gut is screwed up. Yeah, maybe your intestines right. are not um, working properly and they're not digesting your food properly and you're not assimilating it properly. So therefore you need to fill in the gaps with some supplements. But my question there then becomes, well, then if you're not assimilating the nutrients from like the food, and, you know, the foods that you're eating, how are you going to assimilate the nutrients from the supplements? Like, why is that different?
0: yeah that's a good point. And you always want a supplement that has nutrients in its naturally occurring form, yeah, so then you just have a better chance because you're getting more overall. Yeah, but, is
2: it just a higher concentration? Like a net. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: but you know, even if we ate a perfect diet right now, it doesn't mean that you're going to get all your nutrients because we you know even if you are really careful to buy all organic everything and try to vary your diet. We just have a less diverse diet than we ever did. You know, we don't eat as many plant species as we used to. We don't eat nose to tail on an animal. We eat mostly the muscles. Mm-hmm. We don't chew on bones anymore. We rarely eat organ meats. Mm-hmm. We just, yeah. We- and yeah. <laughs> no, no, and it's we're funny mostly I, sedentary. And yeah. I mean, just going back to what you were saying before, like yeah.
2: it's even if you set up the best possible conditions. And look, by no means are... Is either of us saying, and I think you're not saying either, that you have to take all of these things in order to achieve optimal health. It's more just like there's a laundry list of additive ingredients yeah. that would benefit and I mean, nobody's trying to be prescriptive about it so much as just like even in the best possible conditions, you could still you could still do better.
0: Yeah. I have a top three for kind of everybody living in modern society. And then a couple additions to that, depending on some stuff. And then I have some stuff for vegans and vegetarians that kind of like I, you know, I put them all on or I I make sure they're all aware of getting enough of those nutrients. And a lot of these you can sort of figure out how to get enough of from food. But just in terms of like vitamins and nutrients. First of all, just thinking about nutrient supplementation, you want to get it from food whenever possible, Mm -hmm. if that's possible. If you're like, oh, I can include a little bit of uh, pastured egg yolks in my diet and I can include a little little organ meats, maybe you don't need a vitamin A supplement. And you want to take nutrients in their their naturally occurring form whenever possible. As um, opposed to? As opposed to synthetic nutrients. So a lot of vitamins, and I'll talk about a little bit more about this, but a lot of vitamins are, have processed forms of nutrients and they turn them into a completely different compound. So trans fats, we think trans fats are bad, but those are processed trans fats from industrial seed oils. If you have trans fats in they naturally occurring forms, like from large ruminant animals make a certain amount of trans fat and they put it into the dairy and it's in their fats. And that like CLA, if you've ever heard of that, that that's a trans fat that's naturally occurring. It's very good for you. I have Conjugated linoleic acid, uh, good for, yeah, good for like fat burning and just good in general. Or like folic acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've all heard by now that folic acid is a processed and oxidized form of folate. So folate occurs in nature as methyl tetrahydrofolate or folinic acid, but not folic acid, right. folic acid, and folic acid doesn't cross the placenta. So if you're trying to give somebody a prenatal supplement- I know. Folic, this is yeah. what
1: drives me crazy about all the vitamins out there, especially, yeah. obviously, prenatals. It's always folic acid. It's not methylated folate. Yeah. And nobody understands that that means- it baby's not, yeah, the right. baby's not
0: getting it. And yeah. not only that, uh, folic acid can it may increase cancer risk, and it may mask other vitamin deficiencies by taking folic acid. And it's supplemented, it, It's it's put into our food, there's a lot of it in our food as well because, yeah. you know, people put random fake vitamins and like, orange juice and stuff mm-hmm. to, to keep the population safe and healthy. <laughs> Thank <laughs> and, goodness yeah. the government's looking out for That's us, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and having an elevated serum folic acid, we can, you know, some people do it better and some people do it worse, but we can convert folic acid to folate in our bodies. But that conversion looks like you need about, like, 19 to 48 times the amount of folic acid to make Folate, Mm, folate. yeah, which which is not going to happen. Yeah, we don't do it that well.
1: Okay, so that's like a really big point. The folic acid, yeah, no, I guess they messed
0: that up. That was vitamin A. That was beta carotene, vitamin A. But folate, we don't, we don't convert it that well. And if you have high serum folate there are like a number of bad outcomes.
2: Yeah. But so the issue here really is you're like, somebody would say, well, my doctor told me I should take this vitamin and it has folic acid. And the idea is that folic acid is basically kind of like an engineered and cheaper version. And yeah. that's why it still appears. in Yeah. It's, other,
0: okay. it's way cheaper. So, and then you just want to be selective with your supplementation is like a third main point because like we've been talking about, there are cheap forms of, of vitamins and minerals that are, Highly processed and there are better forms that tend to be a little bit more expensive, harder to extract. And, you know, multivitamins are kind of the some of the worst ones out there. Mm -hmm. I have a an article on my blog if anybody wants to read it, zondrafalmel.com called Five Ways You Know You Should Throw Out Your Multivitamin. (laughs) All right, let's But it's important if you're gonna get if you're gonna get a multi to get a really high quality one. There was a study in JAMA um, Journal of American Medical Association that showed that. Multivitamins had no effect on the risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, and all-cause mortality in postmenopausal women. And then there was a meta-analysis from JAMA. <laughs> this is so sad. Yeah, go that, on. That synthetic forms of vitamins, like beta carotene, like vitamin E, may increase uh, may actually increase your risk of death from all causes. Ugh. So
2: okay. you want to be
0: really careful so, choosing. Sorry,
2: something. Centrum, but it's probably <laughs> yeah. not happening. Right? Yeah. like that. I mean, what is the case for a multivitamin? Food the
0: form. Case, Yeah, food for multivitamin, um, and there are ones from medical supplement companies that I really like. Uh, But the case for multivitamin is if somebody has multiple deficiencies, you can just kill a lot of birds with one stone. But there are a couple main birds that usually don't get killed with that stone, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) There's not enough of the things you really need in multivitamins, just because the size of the vitamin would have to be different. And there often are too much of potentially toxic nutrients like supplemental calcium, folic acid, iron, vitamin E, all the stuff we talked about. So
2: you're essentially better off not taking a multi than you are getting something that's like a cheap discount drugstore version. Definitely. I think that's super important because I feel like a lot of people are still very much in the mindset of like, well, it's
1: better than nothing. It's better than nothing.
2: Exactly. And it turns out nothing is actually better Better than than that one. Something.
1: Yeah. So what about, what do you think about, because I know you know, gummies and specifically Smarty Pants is a super big brand and uh-huh. like it's all for kids and they have 8 million types of multis. And do you know anything I about that? I don't know uh, anything
0: about Smarty yeah. Pants. I don't, I guess if it's for kids, gummy kind of makes sense, but I don't like gummy vitamins in general. No, yeah, I don't know do why you're adding, yeah. Yeah, you yeah like dextrose or sucrose. Because or I
1: think again, it's yeah. the, just this idea better that it's like, nothing. well, it's better than nothing. And it's kind of like a, somehow it's some sort of safety net. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, what kids need the most of that they're probably getting the least of are the fat-soluble vitamins and adults are. So I'm going to talk about this. But just for their palate to form correctly and for them not to have like these high palates, I think the reason like so many kids need like orthodontia is because if you don't have adequate fat-soluble vitamins, your jaw is not going to develop big enough and your palate's going to be really high as a child. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So you get these like little chins. Wow. And
1: Wait, so what are the fat-soluble?
0: So the fat-soluble Soluble vitamins are vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K, specifically specifically yeah. K2 is the one I'm talking yeah. about, and vitamin E. And I would say of the three things that I would pick for everybody in the developed world, two of them are the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A and vitamin D. And then for a lot of people, I would also pick K2. For for kids, probably included. I would I would make sure they're getting some K two through grass fed dairy or whatever else. Wow, yeah, that's
2: really interesting.
0: Okay, yeah. so
1: what? Um, yeah, I do. I have D with K two, D yeah, three D with
0: D three with, with K two is good. And all the fat soluble vitamins, specifically A, D, and K, help each other absorb and decrease each other's toxicity threshold. Or sorry, increase each other's toxicity threshold to okay. so decrease the chance of toxicity from one of those mm-hmm. vitamins, which is which is very low in any case. But so vitamin A, I think, is really important to pay attention to because we just don't eat a, like the main sources of it anymore. The Which, main sources are organ meats. Okay. Um, so yeah, liver. Yeah.
1: kidneys. It's funny. I was like, because yeah. I'm a vegetarian, and yeah. for my second kid, I like whatever research that I did. I was like, well, this time around, baby's first food is going to be organ meat.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially especially like poultry liver, like goose yeah. especially has a lot of vitamin A. So we don't need a lot of that anymore. And then pasture, pasture-raised egg yolks have some vitamin A, mm-hmm. but maybe not enough if you're not eating a lot of that to support like all your vitamin A. And there's two types of vitamin A. There's vitamin A in its natural occurring form, which is a fat-soluble molecule, retinol, retinol esters. Mm-hmm. And then there's beta-carotene. Beta-carotene is what makes fruits and vegetables look orange. Um, And beta-carotene is uh, converted to the fat-soluble retinol, but not converted that well. You need a lot of way more beta-carotene, so it's hard to eat all of that from your diet. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, the beta-carotene that's in supplement form just isn't that great. In supplement form, beta-carotene's been associated with actually higher risk of cancers and higher risk of oxidation, especially in smokers and people who drink a lot. So you have to be careful with supplements that have beta carotene. It's better to get vitamin A in that naturally fat, fat soluble form. Um, Wait,
1: can we go back and say that? Yeah, that was confusing. So, so. What exactly causes the
0: higher rate of cancer? In- it's probably increased oxidation yeah. from, from this supplemental form of beta carotene. Right, you're eating like a synthesizer version
2: as opposed to a natural Exactly.
0: higher rates of cancer right. and um, heart disease. And it can also mess with the vitamin A metabolism itself to have too much beta carotene from... Like a supplemental right,
2: so you really recommend that from food rather than in a supplement. Exactly. So if your
0: supplement has a lot of vitamin A, I would stay away from it. You want to get it from food, but even if you're eating a lot of orange fruits and vegetables, yeah, it's it's good for like all the carotenoids and vitamin A type other micronutrients and polyphenols. But it's probably not enough if you're not getting some fat soluble vitamin A. So you probably do have to supplement.
2: I had a girlfriend who in high school when we were in high school is when baby carrots kind of like happened. I don't know. There are people listening who probably have never seen a carrot that's, you know, a real carrot, like did not know that there was a time before baby carrots. Baby carrots happened when we were in high school and my girlfriend was obsessed with them and ate so many that her fingertips turned orange yeah. and her doctor told her that if she continued to eat them her nose would turn orange so she
0: stopped <laughs> yeah it's true you can eat so much beta carotene that your skin <laughs> turns orange
2: so yeah. now I just want to know
1: do you take a multi and if so what kind do you take
0: so I occasionally take a multi to get a lot of like certain types of B vitamins because I I know my genetic profile and I know that I have a mutation that a genetic mutation that makes me require certain types of B vitamins more than other people. Mm -hmm. But then then why only occasionally you take it? uh, Because I I just tend to, I don't, I've checked my levels. I don't need it. I don't need it that much. I don't need the other vitamins in a multi that much. And sometimes I just take a methylation supplement. So I'll like switch them off because I have like constant access to my blood work. I just know. (laughs) right I mean, that's
1: kind of the amazing thing. Yeah.
0: But if you're going to take vitamin A, it's really easy to get just from high vitamin cod liver oil. Hmm. So uh, cod livers have some vitamin A, and they also have some vitamin D, and they have those omega threes that are pretty much good for everybody. And everybody needs more of. Uh, so that's like a really good way. You don't have to have a separate vitamin A supplement if so you take some high vitamin cod liver oil.
1: Turns out my dad, Your did, dad was do right. some, did do something right. <laughs> <laughs> he was like shove cod liver oil, but he made you actually take the my oil. And I was little, like, all the time, oh, wow. pills, like actual oil, you know, oil on a spoon, just spoons, spoonfuls of cod liver oil. It seems like an old That's right. wives tale. That's and good. Then, no, but you're saying it's like legit. It's legit. Okay.
0: So And omega- you want it because even suboptimal vitamin A can cause problems. Like there's there are very few people in the developed world who like have a vitamin A deficiency. Right. You know, that that has serious complications, but even suboptimal, you might get like Keratosis pilaris. Have you seen those like bumps on people's mm-hmm. arms, or ever gotten like little bumpy chicken mm-hmm. skin on your arms? Yeah. You can get acne, poor night vision, dry skin, <gasps> dry eyes. I have horrible night vision. Really? These are these are all they, from vitamin A deficiency. Vitamin, suboptimal vitamin A, not even a frank deficiency. Okay, you can it can mess with your thyroid. You need vitamin A for your thyroid to work. You can have frequent infections or autoimmune problems you need vitamin a to regulate the immune system you can not be producing hormones so well anytime you you know are are not getting adequate kinds uh, adequate amounts of any kind of fat soluble vitamin you might have a problem with producing hormones okay including vitamin d so vitamin a is important vitamin d is one of the ones i would say for most people in the developed world mm-hmm. and the vitamin D. You don't have to go crazy on vitamin D. There was like this trend from ten yeah. years ago where, like, and I guess a lot of the research was baked by, by the by the by the milk council. vitamin D, yeah. yeah. But and by the vitamin D supplement, right? Uh, whoever was selling those, and they people were doctors were trying to push people's levels up to one hundred. Where we say that between thirty five and sixty is is not only adequate, but there's sort of a U shaped curve of cardiac risk. So once you get above sixty. You're getting again more increased risk rather than mm-hmm. decreased risk. So you don't have to go nuts on vitamin D, and you might be people might be okay if they spend time outdoors, especially in right. the summer.
2: But um, the idea is that you really do need to get, I mean, I've I've heard, and you please feel free to myth bust, I've heard like 15 minutes of completely unprotected sun exposure is actually a good thing, but you really can't get that in most climates. Like yeah. All of us here in the Northeast, there's no way we're actually getting adequate.
0: I don't know if it's B. 15 We're not minutes it year a round. day. Yeah, yeah. Minutes. It's, it's like th- the recipe for most people is three times a week for half the time it takes you to turn pink. That should be adequate. And yeah. That's un- about 15 un- minutes for me. Skin. Yeah. Uncovered skin as much as possible, but, you know, cover your face, protect the moneymaker.
1: I'm not <laughs> a la facie, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. So D, and then what form of
0: D. D3 is usually sold on the on the market as supplements, so you'll usually find D3. D2 works too. We convert to D2 to D3 in the body. So if I need to get somebody's levels up really fast and I want to give them a prescription, I'll usually write it as D2 because that conversion is kind of a break on toxicity. But otherwise, if you're dosing it yourself, you can just take D3. I wouldn't take more than 10,000 IUs a day, and I wouldn't even... Try to figure out how much you need without getting a blood test. Mm, right. Yeah. That's because because high levels are are just as bad if not worse than low levels. Too you should really have some guided supplementation.
1: Right. Oh boy, if yeah. only theranos worked. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: so these are the okay. vitamins. So. so
0: that, and then the third one I would say for everybody, everybody is magnesium. I was going to yeah. say, wait, can I yeah. guess it? Yeah. Yeah, magnesium. magnesium. Our soil is very depleted of magnesium, so. Again, less is growing into everything, and we're eating less, and that's just a product of of uh, having soil that's been farmed for so many years and in industrial farming practices. And so, we all
2: need it for
0: I we mean, we all need it for neurological function, for metabolic function. I mean, almost every uh, every part of cellular metabolism requires magnesium. So. You just need it for your cells to work. But also if you're deficient in magnesium, you'll start seeing um, neurological abnormalities like pretty quickly, including Such just us. mild ones. Like anxiety mm-hmm. may maybe I mean sleep and anxiety are like the biggest yes, cause yeah, of anxiety. I, yeah. I mean, I have your it hair on my fallout.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh God, maybe I need to up my dose. How
0: much should you take? You should take, I usually say 300 to 500 milligrams at bedtime, orally is good. Okay. And then you should take a form that's well-absorbed. So, like, magnesium calm maybe, like, will work as a laxative and put you to sleep, but it actually isn't absorbed very well centrally. That's why it works as a laxative. It pulls water into the gut. So... That one doesn't absorb that well and that won't raise your levels. What will is magnesium glycinate, Mm -hmm. which is like kind of classic for like muscle relaxation and sleep. And then magnesium malate and taurate also absorb well. And I like those. I use them specifically because one has a little bit more research around it for anxiety. Which one is that? Um, That is magnesium taurate. And one has a little bit better research around it for fatigue. That's magnesium malate. And then people will use magnesium oxalate when they want it to when they're trying to like prevent migraines it goes into the central nervous system so you could do a blend of them
1: yeah we used to tell people at at, during blueprint days when they were getting a colonic we would obviously encourage everyone to go crazy with the colonics and then we we would we would suggest taking like oxymag Uh before to kind of i don't know the idea was that it sounds like it's similar to how you're talking about it we probably that? should not have been telling people to probably do that. Probably not. <laughs> um, but I did it on my own, and I found it to be like super yeah, effective. Yeah, I, will, I right. took it
2: for a bit, but you actually told me that you didn't, you weren't, you didn't love that as a. That was like an oxygenating your kind of like system. Which like, one
0: was I... Which one was like? I think made? it's like the O2
2: Mag. That was like the that was oh, the name brand Mago Seven. Mag Seven. Yeah, right. it
0: was Mago Seven. So Mago Seven is just a laxative. Basically, okay. it's ozonated magnesium, and so I like. You know, if you want to use it like once every once in a while, that's we okay. We recommended it during the cleanse because yeah, that there's makes no fiber. It's and, yeah, right. and, it's a, and yeah. it's a laxative, so of course right. it would help.
2: Um,
0: um, but I, you can get kind of, I think your gut can get too used to that and then you, right. you're going to require it all the time, which yeah. I don't like. Yeah. yeah. So, Wait, I have a question about magnesium. Oh, what tor- about um, magnesium, like a bath? A magnesium bath? We're not sure if like Epsom salt baths increase serum magnesium, but I think... And, you know, before I started using this with people, I didn't think that it raised serum magnesium from what I'd read. But now that I'm using it on people, I think it does. Just from my anecdotal evidence with patients, Mm -hmm. um, people who I have low magnesium and I keep giving them oral and oral and oral and it doesn't work, um, I've started giving them topical magnesium, just the lotion, and it Mm -hmm. raises their levels. So for people who are really malabsorbing, I think the topical magnesium is working for everybody.
2: So that would be Epsom salt? Or that would be uh, I, I would, also have like a magnesium like lotion. spray. Yeah, lotion. Spray. Yeah, lotion or spray.
0: Like I would use it every night. Um, especially if you're like malabsorbing and you're so deficient that your hair's falling out or something, I would I would get it up through through topical. Yeah.
1: Huh. It made my skin itch. So I didn't it didn't. Yeah. 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 Well, it's
2: like tingles
0: when you spray it on and I then stopped. it goes away. But yeah, I think eventually after you use it enough, it it doesn't, it doesn't
1: Oh, but enough. you know what I did? I poured it in my bath. The spray. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, this is yeah. making... And then I just... It's just magnesium I just salt, right? dumped the whole bottle in, yeah. my bathtub. Well, that's probably why you got itchy. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. That was before when I was oh, just uh-oh. spraying it on my skin. Anyway. But so I didn't know about all the, sort of the different kinds of magnesium. I thought it was really just like glycinate it was the most... I didn't know that they had different kind of functions.
0: Yeah. The tri- they, the- you know, who knows? They have different evidence behind them, right? That doesn't mean that maybe glycinate does the things all the other ones do. But there's just a difference in the, in the, in the research and the evidence. Right. Um, and I think people probably presumed that certain kinds would do certain things and then did research around it. So I think all magnesium is probably going to work for all of these. Right. Um, but yeah, if I had a kid with autism, I'd probably be giving him magnesium oxide preferentially. Interesting. Yeah. Like 500 milligrams a day. Uh, for a kid, I would adjust that down to his body weight and I would dose oh, it right. by Kids. milligrams per Details. Kilogram. That's why you do what you do.
2: <laughs> okay. Can we talk about probiotics?
0: Yeah. So I like everybody on a probiotic. And this is a reason Um, because, again, our adaptive environment was so different from our modern environment. We don't eat dirt anymore. We don't play in the dirt anymore. Tell
1: that to my children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So your kids might be okay. Um, uh, The soil doesn't have the same organisms in it that it used to. We aren't eating plants with organisms on them. We're washing them off. Um, and we're eating a lot of antibiotics or we're taking antibiotics or we're taking some of these other drugs that destroy the microbiome. So I think everybody's microbiome could probably use some beefing up, but I don't give it to everybody necessarily because especially if I have them on other stuff, I don't want to give them pill fatigue. And if cost is an issue, I don't necessarily say everybody should have antibiotics. But if you have any sort of GI issue from heartburn to IBS to... One of these more complex issues we talk about to ulcers, I think you need to be, or to constipation, diarrhea, nausea, I think you need to be on a probiotic. That's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. If you have any kind of immune dysregulation, um, whether it's autoimmunity, whether it's allergies, all these things that signify an imbalance of the two kind of sort of T immune cells, Th1 and Th2, and not enough T regulatory cells, I think you need to be on a probiotic. Um, If you have a chronic disease that's cardiac-based, if you have high cholesterol, I think you need to be in a probiotic because the microbiome actually participates in our metabolism of those lipids and and changes our cholesterol it can actually. If I'm putting on somebody somebody on a high cholesterol protocol, I'll make sure they have a probiotic and a prebiotic to sort of metabolize out that cholesterol.
1: Yeah, people don't typically associate those two things, right? I think people no. hear probiotic and they obviously they just think like GI, like, yeah, yeah. I you know it'll help me poop. I mean, yeah. that's really. But no, you're I think it's a really it's common really linked misconception. To so many other. It's linked issues. to so
0: many other things because their their function is. You know, those bacteria sit on and protect the main immune barrier of our body. Our gut is our interface with the outside world. Our skin is an interface with the outside world, but our skin's just a lot thicker and doesn't have an immune system sitting right under it, whereas our gut does, right? Our gut's one cell thin. And once you get past that cell, there's 70 to 80% of the immune tissue in our body. So our gut is really where our immune system sees the outside.
1: Right. So what about all the different strains? This say, is where yeah, I they're get a not little all bit, created equal. Yeah. yeah, this is where I get a little bit tripped up because it's you know, and i have just for myself, I've done you know I've taken many different types of probiotics. Yeah. some of them clearly like make me feel no bueno, like yeah. totally yeah. bloated and like gross. yeah. Um, and some of them are really they, they work. Yeah. Um, so are the ones that are making me feel kind of horrible doing more harm than good? And then how do you find the correct strain? Is it just yeah. trial and error?
0: So first of all, not all the processing is created equal. So you have to be careful just like with multivitamins with the quality um, because you can't always guarantee, especially if the the probiotics like a kind of cheaper brand, you can't always guarantee that those uh, bacteria are alive, mm-hmm. right? Or they don't test them to actually see what strains are in them. Um, there are strains that are associated with improvement of different things, but I usually rarely pick strain for strain unless I'm fixing a specific issue. If I'm trying to fix diarrhea, I might make sure they're getting some Saccharomyces boulardii. If I'm trying to fix uh, constipation, I might make sure they're getting, I might try to Source this single strain called E. coli Nissle, which you can really only get from Germany, so it's kind of a nightmare. <laughs> um, uh, so I might use like specific strains for specific ailments, but otherwise, I think like a broad spectrum, medical grade, third party tested probiotic is totally fine. I don't think everybody needs Saccharomyces boulardii. I know that's like a big question out there. Um, I think I love. There's two kind of classes of probiotics, and There's one class that I love for anybody with one of these like ailments that I was talking about before. So there's the class that's just reseeding the gut, right? You're putting bacteria back into where it's supposed to go, the kinds of bacteria that would probably live there anyway. Mm. And then there's a kind uh, of spore-forming probiotics. They're called transient commensals. And they're called that because they don't actually stay in the gut and take up residence there. They only live for about three weeks. And their function is more to improve the quality of the bacteria that does live there. So they encourage good strains. They discourage funguses and bad strains. Mm -hmm. And then some of them even make, so our gut bacteria makes a lot of different vitamins, but some of these transient commensals will make like carotenoids, which are really antioxidant for the gut and that are really needed for like ovarian function, eye health, skin. So Hmm. there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do with probiotics. I think there was an, an era when, uh, the scientific community got really excited because they saw that different species of bacteria were associated with having good outcomes and having bad outcomes, and being skinny and being fat. And then they took from that, maybe we can just give you this one kind of bacteria, and you'll get skinny. And I I think that didn't really bear fruit. So I think for most people, just a broad spectrum probiotic mm-hmm. is good.
2: And are you supposed to? Is it recommended to kind of like switch them up and not necessarily stay on the same? brand and maybe switch up your strain or is that total yeah, just marketing.
0: I like I like rotating them. Yeah.
1: Or is it better to find one that has as many strains in it as possible?
0: I think I think rotating them is a good idea. Yeah. And you know, you can do gut testing and kind of see what you're missing and do targeted uh that's fascinating. T- yeah. I don't I don't know what the clinical outcomes are of that. I don't think I don't know if it's that if it's that important, important, I would just give you a broad spectrum pro- probiotic and then some transient commensals, and
2: you know, and they don't necessarily have to be refrigerated, right? I think this is also like a misconception. Like There's just because it's some, refrigerated doesn't mean it's great, and just there, because it's yeah. expensive doesn't mean it's great.
0: Exactly. I actually like a lot of brands that aren't don't need to be refrigerated, which is which are great. So not everything needs to be refrigerated, but some do, and some are taken best taken on an empty stomachs. Some are best taken before a meal. So that's like something to just mm-hmm. look for. It usually says on the bottle.
1: Hmm. Well, thankfully my stomach never stays too empty for too long. Like I, there's, a, there's always another meal around the corner.
0: But if you are reacting to probiotics, it might be a good idea to be checked out for something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm. It's kind of a classic red flag if somebody gets like really bloated in response to probiotics. And then C- Bo, what if yeah, people have C- heard C- that being yeah. discussed?
1: It's and that's just C- a stool sample. And any- that is actually a breath test. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, that makes it so much more exciting. You're going to just like run out and take one immediately, <laughs> <right>? Immediately. <laughs> so I need to run to my doctor and ask for a SIBO test.
0: You know, I don't know if your primary care, unless you come to Parsley, we'll do a SIBO test. Okay. Your primary care probably won't do a SIBO test. And if you're not having like really big symptoms, your gastroenterologist probably won't do one. Your gastroenterologist will do one if you're having like giant symptoms, but probably for this, you won't do it.
1: <laughs> we just emailed this morning, my GI and <laughs> I. Dear <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> uh, that I we could have some tea. So, speaking of GI, so the you were talking about the connect, like so, probiotics are connected to so many other things beyond just like you know um, constipation and like what everybody thinks it is. But so, can you talk a little bit about the connection between your gut probiotics and how they might help people with like heartburn? And reflux is yeah. that a specific targeted thing?
0: Yeah, it is a targeted thing. So heartburn and reflux—they're probably they're they're usually like one of two root causes of heartburn and reflux. Um, SIBO is actually a big root cause because you can imagine that that bacteria in the small intestine breathes. The small intestine is the next thing down from the stomach, so that gas, especially when it's methane gas, pushes up, pushes up into the stomach and that pushes contents of the stomach up to the next thing above it, which is the esophagus, and that's uh, GERD or heartburn. Um, And then uh, there's another process called hypochlorhydria, which is just having too little stomach acid, which can be an, an effect of all sorts of inflammatory conditions. And I know a lot of people think about uh, reflux is a high acid issue because you're given anti They help you feel better. People Yeah, they usually exacerbate the problem long-term because they make SIBO worse. Um, but also because a lot, a lot, for a lot, many, many, many people, it is a low acid issue. And the low acid means that you're not doing this first phase of digestion where you're supposed to digest with stomach acid. Again, that means bugs higher up in the GI tract can eat the food uh, pr- produce gas and that and that undigested food and the gas pushes it up into the esophagus. So you might feel better if you have an antiacid because whatever's pushing up is less acidic but it's probably still going up and it's not helping the picture right. that much. So we actually it. a lot of times give people acid replacement and that helps them feel better with GERD. Instead um, of
1: um, inhibitors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and try to get them off inhibitors, give them acid replacement. That acid helps wash out the small intestines. So if there is some SIBO or like a touch of SIBO, it can help with that. Um, but the reason that That's probiotics... Gonna be our band name, Touch, <laughs> of, touch SIBO. of SIBO. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. But the reason that probiotics can help so much is that certain probiotics in certain cases of SIBO um, do help eliminate the SIBO. Sometimes you have to be careful. At first, some probiotics yeah. will... will make it worse. And it's in some cases of SIBO, um, transient commensals, the spore-based probiotics I was talking about are usually very well-tolerated and usually a good first step there.
1: Okay. So all of these things are very testable to get to the root, to, to get to the cause of that. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And then to be able to treat it, it's yeah. very interesting. I'll yeah. be seeing you later. <laughs> yeah.
0: So those are my top vitamins that is probiotics are in my top for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, High vitamin called liver oil can take care of both your vitamin A and vitamin D, magnesium, a probiotics. That's only like three things you have to take right now. And then for certain conditions, I would also consider um, vitamin K2. That's like the trafficker of calcium in the body. So that's going to preferentially put calcium in your bones and your teeth where it's supposed to be and uh, take it are directed away from the arterial walls, right? So for anybody with ha- heart disease, K2, I would say with anybody with chronic disease who's elderly um, or with gout, I would give them some vitamin C. We probably don't get enough. Some people with a lot of fruits and vegetables in their diet will.
1: But Okay. So on the vitamin C note, and I'm sorry, I know we don't have much time left, but doesn't Is it the problem with vitamin C is that like your gut just sort of like pulverizes it before it gets to the places
0: it needs to go? It sometimes doesn't absorb very well, but you don't need much to make a difference. You absorb some of it. Yeah. Um, For some people, it gives them a little gastrointestinal distress if they take high doses. I really like liposomal formulations. That's that gel what gel pack? It's a yeah, gel pack. I've and seen that. That's what I have, yeah. yeah and and a liposome is basically like, it's almost like having a cell, a tiny cell wall around whatever the nutrient is. So it's a double fatty layer that allows it to absorb through the oral mucosa. So if you keep it in your mouth for a while, the little, the little bits are absorbing. And then when you take it on an empty stomach, it absorbs into what's called your lymphatic system. So it doesn't require digestion. Yeah, so I
2: was wondering, it gets like, what around. is the sort yeah. of magic sort yeah, it's now property. Part of of this like gel that you're supposed to keep and swallow whole and it's very specific how to take it. Stinks like sulfur. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the two other things I would say to pay attention to, especially for people with thyroid problems and because thyroid problems are so rampant, are iodine and selenium. They both have uh, idiosyncrasies for people with Hashimoto's. You have Mm -hmm. to be careful with too much iodine, but because we don't use a lot of iodized salt lately, a lot of people are using sea salt. Mm -hmm. It's just good to pay attention to with thyroid people.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's like a whole other episode on thyroid issues. Oh, there's. Oh my God, there's like twelve episodes on thyroid issues. (laughs) Um, Dude, I could just go on here forever.
1: (laughs) But okay, well, this is a good. This um, is like a good primer.
0: Is a good primer. This is like a table of contents, basically. Yeah, totally.
2: But thank you.
0: You're welcome. That
2: was super It was fun to be
0: back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel
2: like we will probably try to put as much of this on our show notes and website as possible just yeah. because I think that this is one of those episodes where people, if you're like me, you're pausing it and you're rewinding it and you're writing stuff down. Totally. So we will try to make it
0: as easy as possible for people to find this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I actually yeah.
1: ordered something on Amazon while we were sitting here. While, while we were oh, talking. Oh, I forgot
0: to talk <laughs> yeah. about vegetarians. Oh, oh yeah. Because that's yeah. me. So talk yeah. to me. Vegetarians and vegans. B12 is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, B12 is the most important thing. Does that I, work? Did, we'll just consider you deficient until proven otherwise, but you probably you probably need to take it every day forever. Yeah. Iron's usually important for vegetarians and vegans. I wouldn't supplement iron if you're not vegetarian or vegan willy-nilly and I would always get levels done before because iron overload is as big of a problem. Constipation city. Not just constipation, it's associated with metabolic dysfunction. So it can mm. predispose you to getting insulin resistance, diabetes, even mild iron overload can. Mm. So I wouldn't go, I wouldn't just because you're female be taking iron. Right. B12 um, yeah. is definitely resoundingly yeah. positive. Yeah. B12 or- is very well tolerated. Um, mm. Zinc, uh, you have to pay attention to if you're vegetarian. Um, and then vitamin A and vitamin D because you're not eating those like- uh, If you're vegan more. Right. Yeah. Well, and vegan, if you like- And if you're vegetarian, you're not eating um, those like organ meats. I mean, it's like everybody's not eating those organ meats, right. but you're not eating right. egg yolks. because right. vegetarians can. But kidding?
2: also um, if you eat, if you're like pescatarian or you eat shellfish, that's a great source of zinc, right? Yeah. Like you're not. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm
1: saying- And iodine.
2: And iodine. That's right. Yeah. Huh? Hey, look yeah. at the brain on Zoe. Look at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you tell I was pregnant at one point?
2: <laughs> no, I never knew that about you. Um, um, all right. Well, this is super helpful, tactical, awesome information. Um, Good. Yeah, super helpful. fun to be back. It's yeah, always thanks, fun to man. have you. Thanks. Coming back to the,
1: whatever we're calling this. Let's just call the it the Annex. Yeah. The Ashram. The Ashram.
2: <laughs> 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 um, all right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks, yeah, Sandra. we'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com
1: for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.